my name's Chelsea, and I am the host of this podcast, and I don't think I've ever mentioned this on here before, but I, <laughs> I got the name of this podcast from this really cheesy 80s song by the band America. If you haven't heard it before, please look it up <laughs> and watch the music video too. Um, yeah, it's called You Can Do Magic, obviously. <laughs> I just added a K to it, so I don't think it's counts as some kind of copyright thing. Someone correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, if you like really cheesy songs um, and cheesy videos, then you'll probably really like it. It's just a good song in general, <laughs> I think. But that reminds me of the reason I wanted to start recording this. So I live in an apartment building. I want to move to a house next, but for now I'm in an apartment. And I have these neighbors right next to me. And literally the very first day I moved in, I could hear them yelling at each other. And that was eight months ago. And uh, I wouldn't say it's an everyday thing, but almost. I hear them yelling at each other. Especially the woman. she's has a lot of anger inside. And I hear all about it. So, I listen to music in my apartment. And I dance around fairly often. And I sing. And it's just me living here now. So, that's what I do. And it's fun. And I love it. <laughs> I like... Okay, so my musical tastes are pretty much anything that has a funky bass line in it. And it can be any fucking genre. I don't care. If it has that, like, grooviness to it, then I automatically love it. So I listen to <laughs> disco, <laughs> the Bee Gees in particular. And I was listening to Love You Inside Out, which is an awesome song if you like disco, earlier. And I was singing, as one does. <laughs> and I immediately was like, oh, I should be quiet, I have neighbors. And then I was like, hold on a second. I've been listening to my neighbors fucking scream at each other for eight months. But I find myself wanting to hold back my voice when I'm singing. <laughs> because I think it's going to be rude or infringing upon someone to have to hear my joy. <laughs> and it hit me how, how ridiculous that is to automatically want to suppress or hide our joy. I find myself doing that honestly I won't say all the time but a fair amount of the time when I'm around other people just thinking like oh I shouldn't be this happy I'm gonna make them feel bad about not being happy or just hiding the fact that I want to laugh at something that <laughs> maybe other people would think is inappropriate but I just tend to think a lot of things are really funny especially things that people take seriously so I mentioned on one of my recent videos, okay, this is a weird segue because I just said things, funny things, and this is not funny, I wouldn't say, but um, I'm ready to talk about it now because it's been a few months, but my older brother passed away in September of 2020, so about three months ago, and uh so we grew up in the same house. He was like five, six years older than me. And I pretty much thought that he was the coolest person in the entire universe. And I always wanted to be like him or for him to think that I'm really cool. And um, as the years went on, we never really had much in common, you know? Like he was really, really into sports, like almost every kind, like wakeboarding and snowboarding and golfing. And he loves watching like hockey and every other sport known to man. That's like his thing. And I'm so not sporty. Like I'm pretty much as <laughs> opposite of that as you can get. I like physical activity. I like exercising, but not... I just don't like sports. Like, I, I've tried, but <laughs> it's just funny because I don't, um, I can't get into it. It's not exciting to me. 
I just don't, I don't care. I don't want to watch them. I don't want to play them. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it's great that people have fun with it, but yeah, it's just not my cup of tea. So also I've always loved to read and he would always say, yeah, I read drive through fast food signs. Ha ha ha. So that gives you an idea. We're just very different people and had, I guess, kind of a troubled relationship in some ways. So we fell out of touch over time and it had been two years since I talked to him or saw him when I found out that he passed. And of course, immediately, my first reaction was gut-wrenching sobs and feeling like my heart just got ripped out of my chest. And it's funny because I used to say, okay, it's not funny, I need to stop using that word for this, but I used to say some years ago, that I don't have no idea what I would do, do if either of my brothers died. I have another one who's like a year and a half younger than me. And I just, if, to me, for some reason, it was just one of the things in my mind that was like, what would I even fucking do? Like, it, I couldn't even conceive of it. And it ended up happening, obviously, later. Um, and the thing that reminded me of just kind of being too lighthearted in situations where I feel like I should be less sad was at my brother's memorial um I was I thought it was cool all of these people coming together who I had seen over the years during childhood you know like old family friends seeing them all together in one place after all the years have gone by and coming together for a purpose and like all these family members that normally wouldn't necessarily talk to each other having to see each other and I and I felt happy and I was smiling and it's like I kept seeing people like my brother's old friends coming up and they were very very upset and sad either crying or had like a pained look on their face and I would catch myself smiling and be like oh wait my like I'm the sister at my brother's funeral I shouldn't smile right now this is supposed to be a somber event but honestly it didn't feel that way to me like it's losing a sibling is obviously heart-wrenching and seeing how it affected my mom might have even been the hardest part but my brother um I guess had trouble finding peace in some ways in life and um, I from almost the day that I found out that he was gone from this earth I actually felt closer to him and and it's even now if I just think of him it's like he's there in my head like his image is in my mind and I can feel his presence and it's nothing but just this happy, peaceful, loving, pure um, essence and it's so unmistakably my brother and I can feel how at peace he is and that's why I can't, I don't feel sad about it. Um, maybe that sounds really fucked up. Um, but I just think that people leave this earth when they're meant to leave. And of course I had all the thoughts like, oh, I never got to... We weren't on bad terms, but we just kind of fell out of touch, you know? And I was kind of mad at him for some things. And um, so I had the normal like, oh, I'll, I'll never get a chance to reconcile with him and, and feeling sad about it. And I had waves of grief hit me, of course, over the past few months. But I'll say that overall, my feeling has been kind of like, I don't know if relief is the right word, but it's just so so obvious to me that he wasn't at peace the times that I saw him on this earth and that he is now. And so how could I be sad about that, you know? Also, his passing brought my family back together. We We had like our first family Christmas in almost 15 years or so after that, which never would have happened. And, um, yeah, it's, so, <laughs> basically it's just, I already kind of knew conceptually that death was not the end before that happened, but 
after it happened and I could feel his presence with me so unmistakably. Um, I just know it now, like, to a whole new degree. And I feel like he's one of the spirits that is kind of like one of my guardians now that just hangs out with me, and that's really cool. So anyway, that was a long tangent about being too happy in inappropriate situations, but what I mean to say is that if you're, like, a joyful, happy person, uh, you might, when you're around people who are somber or serious or complaining, you, you can almost feel guilty about your joy, but don't hold it back, you know, because people don't hold back their complaints and their misery and their self-hatred and all that kind of stuff. Why the hell shouldn't people who want to embody the opposite energy of that be just as bold about it? Just because it's not as, like, popular or socially acceptable to go around and be, like, saying good things, especially about yourself. I think that we should normalize not bragging, but being proud of the good things in our lives, you know? And just being happy in general. Like, I, I kind of decided, had that realization about the singing, like, wait, why the fuck would I hold back? hold this back when other people don't try to hold back their stuff. Like, what am I doing it for? So anyway, I have some other notes here of things I wanted to talk about. They might be kind of jumbled. So let's see. There was this story in the Bible. There is a story in the Bible called The Prodigal Son. And so I was raised in a religious household, um, pretty much went to church from ages four to like 16 or 17, once or twice a week, and it was very much a part of our, my upbringing and stuff, but to be honest, I never really connected with Christianity, I just, it's like, yeah, I had to be there, I had to listen to the stories, and the pastor, but I always just had too many questions, and I never got answers that made sense to me, and I honestly just didn't really feel much from it. Like, I didn't necessarily think it was fake, but it didn't call me in. I didn't read the Bible. I didn't, um, yeah, I just didn't really connect with it, you know? But for some reason, there was this one story, the prodigal son, that I did like, where I said, this is my favorite Bible story, and I would, like, find it in the Bible, or I would, like, ask my mom to read it to me, or I would read it. And just in case you don't know the story, it's like this father has a son. And I don't, I don't remember all the details, so I hope I don't butcher this too badly. <laughs> Sorry, Jesus. But this guy has a son, and his son goes off and, like, makes a bunch of money, I think, and gets kind of involved in, in some sketchy things. Like, I think he, like, starts gambling or hooking, getting with hookers. Or he just falls into some sketchy stuff, some sketchy business with some sketchy people. And he loses everything. And basically he sends his ass off. <laughs> well, this is so elegant how I'm describing this. And he... And he comes home to his dad really ashamed. And his dad is just excited to see him. Like, welcome home, son. Oh my gosh, come come here. And he, he like, takes care of him. And he makes some nice food. And he, like, cleans his feet. And he has no judgment whatsoever. He just has pure... He greets him with pure love and nothing else. Even though he had technically done a lot of, quote-unquote, shameful things, his dad didn't focus on that at all. All he saw was, like, his son, who he was so excited to see, you know? And and for some reason, it just... It really spoke to me, that story. And I've been thinking about it again lately and wondering, like, why did it stand out so much to me? Like, why, out of all the stories in the Bible, was that the one that I remembered and that I liked, and 
I feel like it was almost kind of like a one of those things that you can't actually describe with words, but almost like feeling into an insight I was going to have in the future because that story, it's just, it was really hitting me the other night and I was actually crying a lot about it because it's, it's like pretty much like life, you know, like how, no matter how far off track with your soul you get, like how how much you sacrifice your own values or your own self-worth or how badly you treat others or how badly you allow yourself to be treated or how many drugs you do or how many midget hookers you fuck or oh sorry that's not PC I don't think you're supposed to say that anymore um <laughs> but anyway like no matter how many how many speedballs you put up your nose or whatever you do you're never locked out of the kingdom of heaven, so to speak, meaning that unconditional universal love is always available to you no matter what. You can hold yourself apart from it and judge yourself and make yourself small and, um, yeah, basically lower yourself below what your actual worth is and believe that you're not deserving. And that can give you the experience of lack, not necessarily the reality, because your true nature is that unconditional love of just knowing everything's okay, you're an eternal being, having a temporary experience. But just like the father in the prodigal son story, you know, like that, the truth of unconditional love is still always there for you just kind of almost waiting for you to catch up to it or open up to it and most of the time we're just holding ourselves apart from that by worrying or just thinking of ourselves as lesser and it feels really awful to imagine that we're just this limited lowly sinful piece of shit ego or this fucked up person with all these problems and this troubled past and all this baggage and it's all nonsense. It's all just a bunch of stories. And those stories create like a static that muddies your signal or your resonance or your connection to your divine spark. It's not that you're dimming. It's not even that you're putting the spark out or that you'd lose the connection or that you are ever separate from it because you're not. You're just creating a narrative that makes you believe that you are and therefore you experience a kind of hellish reality because it's not true. That's why it feels so bad to believe that you suck because it's just not true, you know? The all... the I, I've started call, thinking of it or calling it like the greater self. So basically it is God or all that is or as the Kabbalion calls it, the all. It knows what it's doing. And it doesn't hate itself. It just knows all is well, all is balanced, all is going according to plan, even if we don't always understand what that plan is. And we can lock ourselves out of that state if we decide to, but it's, but it's unconditionally there and true and just waiting to be noticed and opened up to just like the father in the story so it was just kind of hitting me like it just felt like one of those very significant things connecting to that story so much when I was a kid and not really knowing why another possibility for why is because maybe part of me like sensed um the depth in it I definitely wasn't the type to consciously notice metaphorical significance so much in things when I was a kid, necessarily, like I, with stories, I've had a tendency to take them very, very literally, up until not that long ago, I would watch movies that were meant to be symbolic, and just be like, that didn't make any fucking sense, and I would get pissed off, I've gotten better, even tarot, like, it didn't come easily to me, because it's, relies so heavily on sim, symbolism, and metaphors, and all that kind of stuff, which my mind, it's kind of a stretch to get my mind to work that way, um, anyway, I thought that was interesting. I just want you to know that all is already forgiven. You're never forsaken. 
ever. Even the most fucked up psychopath on earth is not, I mean, that's God too, you know? And if it wasn't, if it wasn't divine, if it wasn't meant to be, then it wouldn't be. And if you have any doubts about that, look around you, like look outside, look at the fact that this earth even exists and that we can all survive and how unlikely that is. Think about the intelligence that is keeping all of that in order and in balance. It's obviously, it knows what it's doing. It knows what it's doing, okay? Everything is naturally balanced automatically because that intelligence has it under control. And that is you. It's just the greater self. It's still you. And to downplay yourself and think like, oh, I'm just this lowly little, uh, I'm a fuck up or I'm this or I'm this label or even I'm Tom or whatever your name is, that's so limiting um, when you're actually everything. And you can practice identifying more with your infinite self than your tiny little ego or even worse, some kind of limiting story that you put on yourself. All is already forgiven. There's nothing to forgive because it's all sacred. And that might be triggering to people who are like, then why does this kind of stuff happen happen in the world? And it's because there's some greater plan at work that we might not necessarily understand at all times. It's, it's duality, you know? It's reality seeking to know itself through duality. I mean, that's the best explanation that I've come up with so far but the point is if you trust if you trust the blood to flow through your body as it needs to if you trust your heart to pump if you trust your cells to function as they are meant to function then you can trust everything else too literally everything else and let me ask you this what is the downside There are literally no downsides to trusting and believing that everything will work out in your favor. Because even if it doesn't, you're still in a better position if you're calm and collected and you just know that you can figure things out. It allows your mind to function more clearly, you can make more connections, you're not in like a fight or flight panic mode and like constricting yourself. I heard someone say once that stress is like slowly strangling yourself to death and that's a very morbid, morbid way to say it, but it's true because when you're stressed out, you're just like clenching all your muscles and uh, it's just not, not a good state to live in. I like to keep things like I'm into all this kind of spiritual, esoteric, woo woo stuff and philosophy and psychology and complexity. I love all that. But when it comes to my own approach to life or the way I conceptualize reality, I try to keep it as simple as I possibly fucking can. And just believing that life is more fun when I relax and allow things to be and trust that the universe has my back. So that's what I'm going to do. And yeah, I do have to remind myself of that a lot throughout the day. But the thing is, when there's energies coming up that appear to be sabotaging, that's actually not what they are. I was just talking to a friend about this. Um... Maybe he's listening to this. If you are, then hi, you'll know that I'm talking about you. (laughs) But he was asking about entities, like entity attachments or like negative dreams from entities. And I was telling him what I believe about that kind of stuff, which is that if you think of it like I have some kind of attachment, there's this entity that's following me around or it's trying to fuck with me, then you're creating this kind of separation where you almost empower the thing. Whereas I've found that focusing on the fact that anything that's in my field of awareness, especially something that comes up repeatedly, even if it's like an entity or something, can only be there. Or this also applies to like pain in the body or illness and stuff. 
they all kind of function the same way. Um, if it's in my field of awareness, then I am, it's resonating with something in me, a part of me, and it's often some kind of limiting belief or self-judgment or self-doubt or something that I don't want to look at, that I'm afraid to fully look at or feel. It's usually something that I'm judging, especially if you set it up like, oh, I have an entity attachment. I think that's rarely helpful to think of it that way. It's a lot better just to think um, that maybe there's like a snag in your energy and focus on the part of you, the beliefs that you have or the patterns of thought that you have that are feeding that thing and keeping it present. Thinking into the details of like what the entity is and what species it is and all that and it's usually just playing right into the hands of whatever the thing is and empowering it, but focus on you and the parts of yourself that are resonating with it or holding on to some kind of fears or doubts and um, love them completely. Witness them completely and send them love and release them that way. I've had I've used this same approach with lots of different things. So I've had lit a literal like psychic vampires who were trying to like feed on my energy. I've had um inflammation in the body and other illnesses and I've had scary spirits um trying to fuck with me. And all of these things function in the same way. Oh, and anxious thought patterns and thought forms. Basically, it all runs on just kind of like fear. And I treat all of these things in the same exact way. If they come up in my field of awareness and part of me reacts, I focus on the part of me that reacts. And I think of it like, this is really hard to put words to because it's just based on my own experience I don't read I don't really read things about this I figure it out myself because I trust myself more than other people's experiences most of the time when it comes to this kind of stuff um it's like how the fuck do I explain it <laughs> um I just think of it like I have some kind of belief or part of me that was probably like wounded or I formed some kind of be erroneous belief about self-doubt or something related to fear and whatever the sabotaging, potentially sabotaging energy is that's hanging in my field is able to access me due to that part of me. It's almost like it's a blind spot that I'm not looking at and that thing can kind of nestle into that blind spot. And it'll try to do everything it can to like divert attention away from it. And if you start reacting in fear or resistance, uh, it just feeds it. So this even works when it comes to pain in the body and stuff. The more that you focus on the pain and trying to get rid of it or trying to like figure out the problem and solve it, it just strengthens it. Whereas if you focus on sending love and compassion to yourself for feeling, for having a difficult experience, or you just focus on the types of energies that you want to create more of in your life, it kind of naturally just, those things naturally fall away because they have nothing to attach to. I love making these podcast episodes because I never know that I'm going to take it in the directions that I take it. And I guess this is, I think it's probably what whoever's listening needs to hear. Because it's coming out uh, through so clearly, you know. So let's see. Um... Yeah, like I said, I don't do a lot of reading when it comes to anything to do with like magic or like communicating with the spirit world or even like different gods or healing work or energy work. It's all stuff that I, I figure out as I go on my own because it's so highly individual. Obviously, I use things like the chakra system and other general information, but when it comes to stuff like how to deal with entities or pain in the body, 
especially when it came to chronic illness and pain in the body, I tried the methods of like researching everything and changing my diet and going to the doctor and doing psychedelic healing and doing, I tried everything and nothing worked except for shifting my relationship to the pain. As soon as I stopped, I had this really bad inflammation in my body like a year ago. Every time I would wake up in the morning, I would have this headache and this lower back ache. Almost like the sciatic nerve and lower back area and my head at the same time. And it would just be like this really, it just hurt. Like, and it would, it would vary the levels of pain, but it's like I felt it almost all the time. And I was constantly just waking up and I would wake up and I would like almost look for it and notice that it's there and then I would feel like what the fuck is this what's wrong is it because I'm drinking too much coffee is it because of this is it because of that is it my diet am I not sleeping enough and I would just go through like every single day just trying to figure out what it was and I never got anywhere until I started to just focus on other things like what I want to feel more of and then when I did feel the inflammation I would like, it used to be like I would feel it and feel really bad and like slip into this self-pitying resistance and then I would judge myself for feeling the self-pity and be like, wow, you're such a baby, you can't even handle a little bit of pain, this is nothing compared to how life used to be, so it would just fuel this really nasty cycle. And I stopped doing that, I started being like, just having compassion and not resisting it, but just being like, okay, my body is not my body is not sabotaging me. It's not trying to get back at me for something. It's just trying to relay a message. It's nothing personal. The pain is not a problem. And I just started shifting my relationship with it and kind of not seeing it as a problem anymore, but just allowing it to be there. And it naturally kind of stopped being there. And I've noticed this is true with everything. It applies to literally anything in your experience that you don't want to be there. Just stop fucking focusing on it. Stop resisting it. The resistance is always the problem. It's never the actual thing. It's the judgment. It's the fear around it. It's the resistance. And if you can just kind of drop that and allow what is to be in this moment, so many of your problems fade away. And also... Keep your focus locked on things that you want to create more of in your experience. When I was waking up every day and being like, oh, my back hurts, oh, my head hurts, ah, oh, damn it. I'm focusing on the pain. Focusing on it, focusing on it, focusing on it. And what do you know? I got more of it every day and it would intensify because I was focusing on it. And your focus is fucking powerful. It's magnetizing more conditions and it is expounding. Is that the right word? It's multiplying whatever you're looking at. So, uh, and this works with everything, like whether you have a headache or you're hungover or you, I mean, just focus on something else, you know, just be like, okay, so I'm in pain or this is annoying or that's going on. And, uh, just be like, allow it to be just stop and go, okay, so that's how it is. That's all right. Even if you don't necessarily prefer it to be, just accept it for how it is in the moment. And then think, hmm, what would I like more of in my experience? And it can be literally anything. You could think about a cute animal. This is a, a tactic I use sometimes if I start thinking about negative stuff or things I don't want. I'll just like, it's almost like when a baby cries and you try to distract them with a stuffed animal. I do that with myself. I'm like, oh, that sucks, blah, blah, blah. I think about a baby wolf and then I'll just like picture a really cute something and just make myself happy in the moment to diffuse, to uh, divert attention away from the thing that I was thinking about that I don't want more of in my experience. Don't allow the momentum to build with the stuff that you don't want to create because then you're going to create a feedback loop of emotion and those are much harder to get out of than just noticing the initial thought of judgment or resistance and being like, okay, I allow that to be, and then focus on something else. And yeah, you're going to have other things pop up, um, almost like little tests, like, but, but what about this? Are you going to worry about that? But what about this? What about this? And you can just get really adept at recognizing when something enters your field, 
that makes you feel resistance and just remembering that it's actually not a problem to feel resistance or to notice things that you would rather have be a different way. That's not actually a bad thing. Okay, so um, I notice it shows me on Anchor where I upload my podcast episodes, the listens I get, and I've noticed that when... I make podcast episodes that have to do with manifestation. They get a lot more listens. And and, um, I think it's because a lot of people are trying to figure out how to manifest things. And that's understandable. It's really fun to manifest something specific that you want. But I do want to point out that specific manifestations are not the point. And... So the most common thing that people make the mistake of doing this with is money, they think. And I fall into this trap all the time. If I only had more money, if I didn't have to worry about how I'm going to pay my bills or how I'm going to do this or that, if I was able to travel anytime I wanted, if I could just quit this job, everything will be fine. It's the grandest fallacy on earth. I might have mentioned this in another episode before, but... uh. I was making really good money writing not that long ago and I had I had a steady income to pay all my bills like multiple times over. I had a, enough to put away in my savings account and some invest some to invest and I could buy anything I wanted. I could travel when I wanted. I went to Europe um a couple times a year even, or back and forth, and it was no problem. And, yeah, my financial concerns were were non-existent, which is what I find myself daydreaming about now. I'm poorer now than I was then. And, I'm, and it's like I have to stop and realize... Um, I don't even want to say I'm poor because I don't believe that, but I have less money in my physical bank account at this moment than I used to back then. And um, so I'll find myself slipping into that fallacy of, oh, if I only just had more money and I could afford to travel more, if I just had a bigger savings account, blah, blah, blah. Then I stop and go, wait, but I had that a couple years ago, like this point in my life where I could go to, I went to Europe like twice in one year and kept my apartment back home the whole time and I could like order anything I wanted and I was just in a good financial position, the best I'd ever been in and I was way less happy than I am now. So the point of that is that specific manifestations are not the point. You might think that money is going to solve everything for you, but it's not. In fact, it brings a whole new unique set of concerns that you wouldn't even have to worry about now you know like more complications and I'm telling you I've lived both most of my adult life like I mentioned in a previous episode I've been like really fucking poor um but it doesn't actually matter like I got a really good reading from someone where they were I was worrying about money and talking about it and he was saying if you're worried about money you're worried about the wrong thing Because your needs always get met somehow, you know? Like, think about all the times in the past that you were like, how am I going to pay this bill? Fuck. I'm going to get evicted. Damn it. Uh, I don't have enough for this. And it always works out somehow. Always. Even if someone else has to help you out or whatever, it always works. So, specific manifestations aren't the point. It's not the specific person that's going to make your life complete. I didn't get that. Could you try again? I hate this Siri thing on my computer. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's like this button that I can't delete. So, um, button that I can't delete. Yeah. Anyway, this is starting to already be long, but I just want to say that it's never about the specific manifestations. Try to go for how you want your life to feel. Do you want to feel free? and unlimited, and creative, and inspired, and powerful, and energetic, I bet you do. Focus on those instead, you know? And think about the things that you do, the activities you'd engage in, the types of thoughts you would have if you're already that version of you. 
tap into it and allow that to inform your decisions. Because if you just let your mind run on autopilot and just, uh, yeah, if you let your mind just kind of run automatically, um, you're going to find yourself in places that aren't very fun or very predictable and boring. And that's kind of how your mind will automatically go if you don't say, actually, no, I'm in the driver's seat here and I want to move towards this. What excites me? What do I want to experience more of in life? What should I move towards? What is my deepest actual desire in life? All these questions that we avoid like the plague because we're so scared. I really feel like this um, new year was... I have a lot of pivotal points, but this was a really another yet another level of that. I'm just kind of coming home to myself and realizing that everything I've ever sought outside of me is already within and thinking that that's actually pretty hilarious and kind of realizing like this is what I was avoiding all this time, you know? If you actually get in the habit of going within, you you'll see that it's just like infinite infinite riches pretty much that you can access, infinite ideas, infinite love, infinite intelligence, infinite calm, peace, energy, inspiration, love, literally anything that you're seeking, it's already there. And just realizing like this is what I was avoiding all that time. Wow. We fight so hard against it and uh it's kind of like Terence McKenna says about jumping into the abyss and discovering it's a feather bed. Um, there is something, it might just be our programming that makes it counterintuitive to just sit with yourself and look within and look at everything that's there. And there's often a lot of pain that we don't want to feel. Um, so that's another reason we avoid things. But I've been noticing, I really lose track of what I say on these episodes, like previous ones, so forgive me if I repeat things, but... I've been noticing during meditations I'll often get emotional and cry and I'll feel like all this kind of stuff in my heart chakra and throat especially areas. That's where I tend to feel kind of like emotional pain when I cry or just emotional sensations and I notice that a lot of times when I feel gratitude it's like that this kind of ache feeling in my heart and throat of being just overwhelmed with uh, love for things and it feels very very similar to like a heartbreak like they it's like they bleed over and they become the same thing and I it just has been a lesson in duality for me because it's like so one of these things is the one that we avoid and run from but the other is the one that everyone would like to feel more of like gratitude and love but they feel the fucking same (laughs) when they're turned up really really high like extremely intense emotional pain like the kind you get from a really bad breakup or when someone dies that you love and like the type of awe that brings you to your knees and gives you tears to me they feel the same um and that was just like a huge kind of epiphany for me that like it's all valuable all of it all of the experiences of duality the darkest darkness and the lightest light it's all the same fundamental stuff beneath it. And I really think that the foundational energy in the universe is love. And um, that's why that's why it heals. That's why babies need it to survive. That's why it's what everybody is chasing. And it literally, like, loneliness can kill you because we're meant to love and be connected. And why loving yourself just opens up everything, like opens up your body, it's good for you, it's very clear that that love is the answer, <laughs> or that it's like the kind of fundamental nature of things, and that holding yourself apart from that is just putting yourself in hell, and it's basically like living a lie. And I really think that that's just what the devil is, you know? It's fear and self-doubt and forgetting who you truly are. It's just those deceptive 
voices that try to convince you that you're lesser because you're not lesser. So if you believe that you are, you're going to have a really bad time. <laughs> I always think of that ridiculous South Park episode of the you're going to have a bad time where they're skiing. Yeah, if you know what I'm talking about. But um, So another thing that kind of is related to this about the duality and the emotions pretty much feeling the same and like two sides of the same coin and all that is that my tarot cards kind of taught me this really cool lesson. So I would draw cards. I usually do a spread of three or four cards. And sometimes I'll do this a couple times, two, three times a day. I've started doing only one spread a day because it was getting ridiculous. But I usually pull at least one per day. And I would notice I would pull like a card, for example, the Empress, because that's one of the ones in my spread from today. Lovely card. So I'll pull three cards. One of them is the Empress upright, for example, and then the next one is like, I don't know, Five of Swords reversed or something. And either the next day or later that same day, I'm going to turn off the AC, it's so loud. But you'll still hear it for a little bit. Um, I'm so professional with this podcast. So I would draw the, some more cards later in the day or the following day, and I would get the same cards, sometimes even like three out of three of the same cards, or two out of three, and they would be the same but ups, but upside down from what they were before. So if I got the Empress yesterday, I would be pulling the Empress reversed. You get what I mean? So it would be the same cards, but they would always be the opposite of the way that I pulled them. And it happened enough times that I'm like, okay, this is clearly trying to tell me something. And I think that it was trying to tell me the same fucking thing that I was just saying about how there's the same fundamental nature beneath emotions even though we think that one is good and one's bad. So a lot of people are like, upright cards are great and reversals are bad. And I think my cards were just, or my higher self or whatever the fuck speaks through tarot, so mysterious, was trying to tell me that both ends of the thing are present in everything, you know? Opposites are not separate. Opposites are part of the same whole. As they say, two sides of the same coin. So if I'm getting the Empress upright, it means like being connected to the earth and like relaxing and just being in a feminine essence of just like that lovely earthy energy, receptivity fertility and all these great things so so reversed people might think that means like opposite um I don't really read reversals as opposites I just see them as something that's perhaps more of a subconscious force rather than in your face conscious and obvious um or something you're avoiding or resisting but the point is that even the opposites of the cards indicated in the reversals they're present within the thing itself, you know, like it's all part of it. So I hope that that makes sense. If you're, if you read tarot, it probably makes more sense than if you don't, but yeah, the cards have upright meanings and then upside down, people often think they have different meanings or opposite or more negative meanings. So I'm just trying to say that, yeah, I would get the same cards just in the opposite and it was trying to tell me it's all present within within it. So that was kind of a a lesson for me. Um, The answers to your problems are never outside of you. Ever. It's not going to be some stranger on Reddit who gives you the answer. It's not going to be your next lover. It's not going to be... Yeah, they're not outside of you. And also there's a false separation between ourselves and experts. We think... We fall into this fallacy all the time of believing that experts know better than we do, and it's just not fucking true. Yeah, if someone studied a particular field for years and you didn't, they probably know a few things you don't. But when it comes to your own body, and especially your own spirit, like spiritual path and stuff, it's so uniquely individual to you that you should ask yourself. If you're wondering, like, what's the best way to feel happier? How do I forgive myself? Ask yourself. You have the answers, even if they don't pop up in your head right away. If you're not accustomed to connecting with your inner self on a regular basis, its voice is going to be very, very quiet. 
But if you just make a habit of connecting with that more often, I promise all the answers that you want are there. And then some. There's just infinite, infinite everything that you could ever want. I'm not going to pretend like I'm some expert at this and I'm perfect at it all the time, but I'm starting to get it down. So if you want extra content, join my Patreon. I will link it below. I do some tarot stuff, videos, audio, writing, and you can email me if you want to do mentorship. I took on some clients. I've been trying the mentorship stuff since summer, and I had some situations, one in particular, that were really weird. Like, I, and I take full responsibility for the things I manifest in my life, but... Um, basically I just got, I had some weird things happen, <laughs> so if you were trying to get mentorship and, and do some kind of weird deceptive trickery mindfuckery on me, just, uh, stay away. <laughs> but if you want just someone to listen to who gets it, or someone to... <laughs> give you some ideas for connecting with this inner self that I talk about, or yeah, you have any particular questions that you want to ask me personally, getting a session with me is a good way to do that. Otherwise, uh, I don't know how many regular listeners I even have on this thing. Like, I don't know which of you are returning versus new people and so on. But I'm definitely interested to hear from more of you, just in general. People who are interested in creating their own reality and living as their god selves. I would just love to connect with more people that are doing this kind of stuff and just share ideas and talk. And yeah, if you're interested in connecting, send me an email. Like I said, if you're trying to pull some kind of weird-ass tricks on me, then fuck off. <laughs> Alright, thanks for listening. Bye.